It's time for a bedtime story. Today's bedtime story is Harris the Hedgehog Meets the Queen by A. V. Turner. Harris and David returned for yet another adventure, this time looking for longer and more difficult races. But little Harris faces bigger challenges. Not only does he have the park bully, Fothergill Fox, to contend with, but will he be accepted into one of the most famous races in the world, the London Marathon? Join Harris the Hedgehog and his human friend David on another running adventure where bravery and determination test them to their limits. Harris the Hedgehog Meets the Queen by A. V. Turner Chapter 1 Winter seemed long and hard that year. The snow had come early, leaving the park under a blanket of white, long into February and March. Sometimes it looked pretty and sparkled. Snowdrops had made an appearance, poking their heads out from under the blanket, their bright green leaves a welcome flash of colour. When April came and the ground warmed up, daffodils and crocus took over, promising that spring was just around the corner. The warmth of the sun grew stronger and somewhere in the park, little black noses twitched. Harris and his family had very sensitive noses that could smell when the weather was getting warmer and by the time the children were up and out of their beds after hibernation, Spike and his wife were already busy around the house preparing something to eat. Harriet yawned sleepily, her eyes half closed. She scratched the spines on her head, brushed them in the mirror and placed two small pink bows either side of her ears. The fireplace glowed red and amber in the dim light and slowly the whole family gathered round for something to eat and a snuggle before the gentle warming embers. Now and then it would crackle and pop, making the two youngest children jump and giggle. Harris was wearing the running shirt that David had given him, but his shoes sat neatly next to his bed. So, my dearest ones, said Spike after they had eaten, another year is upon us. You little bundles are growing so fast. Harriet thought she saw a tear in her father's eye, but guessed it was probably just the light reflecting from the fire. Do you children have any New Year's resolutions? asked their mother, knowing full well they would have. I'd like to learn to knit and sew like Mrs Mouse, announced Harriet, who always loved all things pretty and was now reaching an age where fashion was becoming interesting. I'm sure that can be arranged, smiled their mother. How about you, my boy? Spike turned to his eldest son and wondered what the year ahead held for him and what his goals were. Well, I'm not quite sure, Dad, but I want to talk to David about longer races. Spike pickled at his teeth with one of his spines, which was now a common occurrence. Why did I just know you were going to say that? Well, you do know it would mean going outside of the park, don't you? The children gasped and looked startled. It was forbidden to leave the park gates, unless accompanied by an adult, and even then it was extremely rare for many of the animals, apart from maybe Franklin Fox and his family. He and his wife were much more relaxed than how they brought up their children, and Harris thought they were possibly a little spoilt. I don't suppose I would be allowed to do that, muttered Harris, so it's probably out of the question. Never mind. He waited for a positive answer from his parents 
but it did not come. Some time later, they were all out foraging, and as planned, Harris went off to meet David by the park bench. Hey, Harris, great to see you, my friend. How was hibernation? Hi, David. Yes, it was nice, thanks. Slept like a log. The two friends hugged, and David stepped back to admire the running shirt that he had given to Harris for Christmas. Looks great on you. Thanks, I wear it all the time, apart from when Mum washes it. So what are we doing this year? David sat on the bench and his long fingers played with a single blade of grass. Well, what did you have in mind? Are there any races outside? I mean, outside of the park? Only I feel like I could run forever sometimes. Just keep going and going. David looked thoughtful for a moment. My friend, there is a whole different world out there, full of bigger races. There there are 10Ks, half marathons and full marathons all over the world. You're pretty much spoilt for choice, really. Harris's black eyes glistened in the dark and a little spark lit up in them. David sensed that his friend was wanting bigger and better races to conquer. Only thing is, I don't know if Mum and Dad would allow me out, sniffed the little hog. David smiled. Don't worry, leave it with me, he said quietly and winked. Chapter 2 Exactly one week later, at dusk, Harris ventured out of the house in his running gear and was walking up the path next to the lake. He stretched his legs and did a few star jumps to warm himself up. David was going to be a little bit late this week, so the little hog took advantage of the time and prepared himself properly for their run. Out of the shadows, a little way in front of him, appeared one of Mr and Mrs Fox's children, Fothergill. All the youngsters had very fancy names. Three strapping boys, a little older than Harris, but not by much. He seemed to be alone, but then followed the two brothers, Featherstone and Frederick. They swished their tails and looked him up and down. Hi guys, said Harris, politely. Hi, replied Featherstone and Fred. Fothergill remained silent, choosing to wash himself in the middle of the pathway. His back turned to Harris. He broke his silence eventually, looking down his long nose. Off running again, are we? he muttered. Yes, that's right. But Harris's reply was cut very short as a young fox stood up and circled him, his fine red tail brushing under the little hog's chin. Not very good for you to do all the time, you know. By this time, Father Gill's face was pressed up so close to Harris's cheek he could feel his hot breath. A little way up ahead were the two brothers, silently watching. Come on, brother, leave him alone, called one of them. We have food to find. Harris was scared, but he tried not to show it. His little feet shook in their trainers and a bead of sweat appeared on his forehead. It rolled all the way down his nose and he licked it quickly with his long tongue. Before he could reply, the fox was walking away from him, pointing first at his own eyes, then at Harris. Got my eye on you, he mouthed. With that, he was gone into the night, his red tail disappearing into the darkness. He had just enough time to steady his nerves when David arrived. Everything okay? he asked. He was slightly out of breath. Oh yes, thank you, Harris lied. You sure? I thought I saw you talking to someone back there. David had seen enough to know there could be a problem but waited for Harris to say something. He assured his friend everything was fine and they began their run. It was a cool, still night and they discussed training and future races. Time seemed to go so quickly when they chatted and ran and before Harris knew it, the two of them had completed a whole circuit of the park and were on their second. Of course, the goal for many runners is something called the London Marathon, David said. He continued to tell his friend all about it. Harris listened. 
fascinated by the fact that it was held in the capital city and the course took you past many famous landmarks. Thousands of people ran it every year and the streets were lined with so many others cheering and shouting words of encouragement. Some runners wore amazing outfits and dressed up for the occasion, whilst others ran so fast they did the course in record time. You even got to run past the big house where the Queen of England lived. It all sounded so exciting. How far is a marathon? Harris asked. It's 26.2 miles to be exact. It's a very long way, replied David. Have you ever done it? The hog stretched his legs and wiped his brow. Yes, I did it a few years ago now, before I met you. The training is hard and you have to enter something called a ballot to get in. They raise so much money for charity and good causes though, it is certainly worth it. Could we do it together, you and I? Harris asked. Would they let a hedgehog run it? Or would I have to get permission from the Queen? David smiled. He loved his spiky friend so much. So much courage from such a little animal. I would love to do it again. I can always ask them. I'm not sure if the Queen does have any say who is allowed to run, but I will definitely ask for you, he promised, thinking that it would be the first time they had ever been asked if a hedgehog could enter the London Marathon. Thanks so much. Harry squealed with delight and jumped up and down. If he had to, he would go and ask the Queen himself. Chapter 3 It had been a night of mixed emotions for our little hero. He had been frightened by Fothergill, but then happy and excited by what David had told him about the marathon. By the time he returned home, he had already made a training plan. Standing in the darkness outside their front door, he looked up at the stars in the night sky and made a promise to himself that no matter what, he and his friend would be granted a place. For now, he thought he would keep the plans to himself. As for Fothergill, it was probably just as well to keep out of his way and say nothing. It would probably never happen again anyway. The door to the swimming pool was open and an amber glow gleamed from within. Upon investigation, Harris discovered his sister Harriet swimming up and down. She stopped momentarily to float on her back and she sipped from a small cup of worm juice. Spin me around, she giggled, and so her brother did with his paw and they both laughed as Harriet made herself dizzy. Did you have a good run? she asked when the room had stopped spinning. Yes, not bad, sis, thanks. Do you know where the Queen of England lives? That's a funny question to ask. I didn't know there was one. She lives in a palace in London. Harris's eyes glowed in the dim light. Really? Does she wear a crown? Harris nodded. All the time, I bet. Wow, pretty clothes as well, I shouldn't wonder. Harriet was already imagining beautiful dresses, petticoats and bows. Why are you talking about the Queen anyway? Harris wondered if he should tell his sister his secret or keep it to himself for a little longer. The temptation was high, but he decided not to for now. Oh, no reason. It's just David was talking about her on our run tonight. They were interrupted by the appearance of their mother then, who had come to tell them that it was time they came in and there was food on the table. Harris was granted a while longer for a swim, but Harriet followed her mother, drying her spines and putting on a dressing gown. As Harris dried himself, put out the fire and headed for the house, he could see Fothergill sitting in the trees. It startled the little hedgehog briefly. The fox's eyes burned like fire in the darkness and he was motionless. Even his red tail lay still on the ground. Harris swallowed hard and licked his black nose. Legs that were normally strong and sure wobbled and a now familiar feeling of fear filled his stomach. After a moment, the fox stopped staring and walked off into the darkness. 
His hips swayed and a backward glance confirmed to Harris that this was far from over. Chapter 4 Over the next few weeks, David and Harris trained hard. They also went on cycle rides together and talked a lot about the London Marathon, the Queen and whether she wore her crown in bed or not. It was important, David said, to get some experience of not only 5k runs, but also 10k and half marathons before even thinking about attempting a full one. There were of course lots of local races they could go to and Harris had been given permission by his parents to go with David on these occasions. They trusted their human friend. He had provided them with food through a tough winter and for that they were eternally grateful. Before long, Harris and David were booked on two 10Ks and then towards the end of the year it was a half marathon. This would give them plenty of time to prepare for the big one the following April. The little hog dreamed every night about running past Buckingham Palace, crowds of people cheering him on to the finish line, the only hedgehog in the history of marathons ever to be granted the permission. He beamed with pride and excitement. Training was now three times a week, some cycling, some running and a bit of swimming. He and David even did yoga with Harris's mum in the summer months, outside where the air was warm and a breeze whispered gently through the trees. One evening, though, an unpleasant surprise was waiting. As Harris closed the door of his house and walked down the path to meet his friends, someone was lurking behind the bushes. As soon as the coast was clear and no one could see, Fothergill's face was pressed up against Harris and they were nose to nose. The little hog felt a lump in his throat. What do you want? he asked, his voice shaking. The fox's mouth opened wide, showing a very impressive set of white teeth. Harris also noticed just how sharp they looked. Don't let me stop you going on your training session, he said, after some moments, sitting in the middle of the path and admiring the claws on his left paw. But when Harris tried to move forward, Fothergill blocked his way again. I'm going to be late, excuse me please. Harris could feel small beads of sweat forming on his forehead and he started to panic. Think you're some kind of big shot, do you? All this stupid running and stuff, getting everyone's attention. Well, if you think the rest of the animals in the park like you, you're wrong. They think you're silly. Everyone is laughing at you behind your back, as if a hedgehog could make it big in sport. Phew, how pathetic. This upset Harris, and the harsh words from the fox stung him. He felt suddenly like he was worthless. What was he doing thinking he could run races, and maybe all the animals were laughing when he thought they liked him? He decided to walk on ahead as time was getting on. The best thing to do was ignore Fothergill and walk away. But no sooner had he taken two steps forward, the cunning fox had flicked his tail under Harris's feet and down went the little hog flat on his face. The path was hard and the tiny stones scratched his face. Whoops, whispered Fothergill in his ear. Not such a good runner now, are we? With another swish of his tail, he was gone, but not before he had uttered a low chuckle. When Harris knew he was alone, he got up slowly. Tears stung his eyes and ran down his soft brown cheeks. Brushing himself down, he looked at the scratched knees and held a paw to another scratch on the side of his face. His tears made it sore, so he wiped them away, only to be replaced by more. Somewhere up in front came the sound of feet running, and to his relief, there was David. Oh my, what on earth happened? Here, let me help you. David took the little hog to the lakeside and bathed his wounds with a tissue dipped in water. Right, now tell me how this happened. Did you fall? Rather than keep it to himself, Harris thought it was better to tell his friend the truth. 
It had been a very upsetting experience and he did not want it to happen again. So the story came out from beginning to end. David's face darkened. There's nothing I dislike more than a bully. How dreadful. But you did the right thing. You stayed calm. It needs sorting out straight away though, Harris. But I don't want to get into trouble. He'll, he'll get even more angry if he knows I've told someone. Listen, bullying, whether it is saying nasty things or hurting you, is very bad and cannot carry on. You know why he does it, don't you? Harris shook his head. He's jealous of you. He sees you achieving great things. How you train hard for what you want. Secretly, he wants to be just like you. David had now sat his friend on his knee and wrapped his running jacket around the little hog's shoulders. I don't understand, whispered Harris. All bullies are jealous of their victims. It's a well-known fact. We need to go home and talk to your parents right now. You may need something on your scratches too. But what about our training? We've got a 10k coming up. Harris panicked. Don't worry, we are up to speed on training. One night off won't hurt and your legs look sore. With that, David scooped Harris up in his arms and walked briskly towards home. His face was dark and he frowned. Harris wondered whether he was angry with him, but his tears soon disappeared when everything was explained to his parents. Sorry we can't invite you in, David. Feels rude of us, but you know, there's a size issue, said Spike as they sat on the small patch of grass at the front of the house. Don't worry, Mr H, I quite understand, smiled David. Between them, they discussed the bully problem and quite quickly decided on what to do next. Both sets of parents had respect for each other and Spike was quite confident that it could be sorted out sensibly. True enough, only an hour later, Fothergill was frog-marched up to their house by his mum and dad, who both looked really cross. Harriet and their mother had bathed Harris's wounds, and David had supplied a little pot of cream that he always carried with him whilst running, in case his trainers made his feet sore. It soothed the little hog scratches and stopped the bleeding. Fothergill stood in front of his victim and hung his head in shame. His mother poked her son in the shoulder. Make it right, young man, and you're grounded for a month. Don't forget. Um, I've, I've come to say sorry about what happened. It won't happen again. Sorry, muttered Father Gill, staring at the ground. Louder, and say it like you mean it, please, said his dad. I'm very sorry, Harris. Really, I am. It's not that I don't like you or anything. I just wish I could do the stuff you do, that's all. You can. No, not after this. Not after the way I've treated you. Wouldn't be fair. Yes, you can. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. Just promise not to trip me up again, though. My knees are really sore. Father Gill looked guiltily at the little hog's legs, which were now covered in healing cream. Sorry, Harris. Will they take long to heal? Few days, I should think, said Harriet. Needs to rest up a bit. She stood next to her brother, hands on hips, giving the young fox a glare that could turn worm juice to ice in seconds. It was Fothergill's mother who had the last word in the end. She apologised to the whole family for what had happened. It was Fothergill's mother who had the last word in the end. She apologised to the whole family for what had happened and that her son wouldn't be seen around in the park for the next few weeks. He would be too busy doing chores around their den as a punishment. They all shook paws and the foxes left quietly. Darkness was falling on a very eventful evening, so David said his goodbyes. Harris walked painfully into the house and went straight to bed. Harriet sat with him, reading a copy of Runner's World magazine aloud until he fell asleep. She did love her brother and would do everything in her power to protect him. Chapter 5 Physical scars may heal in a short space of time, 
But those in your head remained for much longer, Harris discovered. His confidence needed building up again, so his family and friends did everything they could to help. By the time he and David ran their two longer races, the old Harris was back and better than ever. They even managed to run in a good time, just under an hour for each one. The half marathon was very soon and Harris was so excited. The London marathon was never far from his thoughts either and he was eager to find out if he had got permission to run it. But he already had a plan in place, just in case. One very hot, sunny Sunday afternoon, David met him as usual for training. He had something in his hand. They sat together on their usual bench. I've got the letter back from the race organisers of the London Marathon. David cleared his throat. Harris looked at him with his little brown eyes. His wet nose shone in the sunlight and he held his paws under his chin in anticipation. It's not great news, my friend. David placed a hand on the young hog's shoulder. They said no, didn't they? He whispered. I'm so sorry, Harris. They said no to both of us. Harris gasped. Why? Well, it's a very popular race, you know, one of the most famous in the world, and there are so many people who want to run it, they can only let so many in a year. But it's my dream. I was so excited for us to run it together, Harris sniffed and looked down at his shoes. I know. I'm so sorry, my dear friend. David held his tiny paw. The thing is, Harris looked up, grinning. I've got a really good idea. Go on. Are you serious? screeched David when Harris told him his plan. Absolutely, cried the little hog. I'm not expected home until just before it gets dark, so we could do it today. David sat and thought for a moment. Are you sure you want to do this? Never been so sure of anything. Come on. Why do I have the feeling that this is really not a good idea? David muttered as they walked across the park. Put your seatbelt on, young man, he said when they had shut the car doors. We'll be there in about an hour. The traffic through London was so much quieter on a Sunday. Harris watched out of the window as he could see less green and more buildings. The excitement welled up in his tummy as they got closer and closer. David stopped the car outside Buckingham Palace. He could see guards through the gates and wondered if the pair of them would end up being arrested. Wait for me here, I won't be long, whispered Harris. He took off his seatbelt and climbed out. He stared through the gates in wonder of the palace. Such a big house. It was a tight fit, but he managed to squeeze himself through the gap and ran as quickly as he could across the back of the palace to the nearest patch of grass. There in front of him was the most beautiful garden he had ever seen. Roses of all different colours made the warm air smell beautiful. The grass had been cut in stripes and the trees were so neat and tidy. He could hear water trickling from a pond, the same size as, as the lake in his park and white statues stood very still, dotted here and there. He could see some chairs and a table a little further along towards the house, and a door was slightly open. Faint voices could be heard, so he hid behind a rose bush until he could see who it was. After a few moments, an old lady came out onto the patio and sat down. A younger man wearing a suit followed, followed her with a tray of tea and a very tall plate full of sandwiches and cakes. They looked very nice, but Harris knew that anything with milk or cream in it was very bad for him and most certainly would give him tummy ache. So if the old lady did offer him a cake, it was wise to say a very polite no thank you. The younger man left to go back inside, leaving the older lady alone and Harris decided to go a little closer. He ran from rosebush to rosebush, all the time getting closer and closer to the lady as she sat drinking her tea and eating her sandwiches. 
Suddenly, he was right in front of her, only a few inches away from her feet. She looked down and gave a startled cry. Oh my goodness, where did you come from? How delightful! I haven't seen a hedgehog in this garden for some time. The old lady had a very posh way of talking. Um, excuse me, I'm looking for the Queen of England, please. Do you know where I might find her? asked Harris, ever so politely. The old lady smiled and put down her teacup. I am the Queen of England, she smiled. Oh, forgive me for saying, but shouldn't you be wearing a crown? My friend says you wear one all the time, even in bed. The old lady laughed. Harris thought it sounded like a rippling stream. One only wears a crown on special occasions normally, she replied. Then how do I know it's really you? She waited a moment and rang the bell on the table next to her. The same young man came out and she whispered something to him. He nodded and went back inside. Very soon he returned with two items on a silver tray. She thanked him and he went back inside. Come a little closer, young man, she beckoned to Harris and lifted him up onto the seat next to her. Reaching over to the tray, she took a sparkly crown and placed it on her head. Is it straight? she asked in the same posh voice. Harris nodded and then the old lady showed him the second item. Does one know what money looks like? Harris nodded again. Oh yes, my friend David has shown it to me many times. Do you see the picture of me on this £10 note? That proves that you are indeed in the presence of the Queen. Harris studied the crisp note in the lady's hand and then looked at her again. He gasped and gave a deep bow. Your Majesty, he said in the poshest voice he could. She seemed very impressed by this, Harris thought. Now then, young man, what do I owe the honour of your visit? Do you live in my grounds? Harris proceeded to explain why he was there and told the Queen all about his episode with the bully, which was now resolved. He went into great detail about how the scratches on his knees had taken a week to heal and what a fantastic friend David was. He even ate a little bit of chicken when she offered it to him, remembering it was impolite to burp in front of the Queen. He then moved on to the fact that they had both been denied a place in the London Marathon and it was his dream to run it and could she help to persuade the race organisers to help them in? Please. She sat very patiently and listened to his story. Another pot of tea was brought out by the young man in the, in the suit with some water for Harris and more cooked chicken. After a while, she sat back in her chair and removed her shoes. Do you mind if I take my tiara off now? It does make one's head itch, the Queen complained. Harris nodded and the Queen put her feet up on the opposite chair. Ah, that's better, she smiled and once again rang the little bell. Mom, said the young man, bring me my best pen and some very fine paper, please. Certainly, ma'am, he replied. I'm very much enjoying talking to you this afternoon, Harris. You are a polite, kind and spirited soul and I admire that in a hog as young as yourself, setting a fine example to others. Thank you, Your Majesty. I've enjoyed talking to you too and the chicken was most delicious. Harris had to keep pinching himself. This was just like the best dream. The young man returned with some very fine paper and a posh pen, laid it gently next to the Queen and disappeared again. Now then... I am going to grant you and your friend David by royal command a place each at the London Marathon next year. I wish there were more young folk like you in the world and keeping oneself healthy and fit is terribly important. She began to write first one letter and then another. They seemed brief but she had promised they would be granted permission. When Her Majesty had finished she placed both letters in separate envelopes. One was addressed to the race organisers and one was for Harris and David. She rang her little bell for the final time. Make sure this is sent immediately to the race organisers of the London Marathon next year. 
Very good, ma'am, replied the servant, and he hurried off into the house. Harris, here is your letter. Take it with you on the day of the race, and you will be treated very well indeed. I will personally make sure that your bib numbers are sent to your friend David in plenty of time. I wish you the best of luck. Harris thanked the Queen several times over, and very soon it was time to leave. They shook hands and the little hog ran back to where David had been parked with a letter in his hand. You've been ages. Did you find her? How did it go? His running friend could hardly get his words out. We're in, Harris shouted. I had tea with the Queen. She's amazing. Oh, and just for the record, she doesn't wear her crown in bed. He smiled so broadly that David was under no illusion just how many lovely white teeth a hedgehog really has. Harris waved the letter in the air excitedly and jumped up and down in the seat until David reminded him to buckle up. It was time to go home. Chapter 6 The journey home was full of chatter and excitement. David could hardly concentrate as Harris told him all about his meeting with the Queen. Open the letter, Harris, and read it to me. I can't believe we are actually allowed to run it with a special permission from Her Majesty. Harris ran one of his front claws along the top of the crisp white envelope and carefully took out the letter, which had been folded very neatly inside. It read, To whom it may concern, one would be ever so grateful if you very nice people at the London Marathon would allow this young man, Harris and his friend David, to run the race today. One has already sent a letter to the race organisers explaining and hopefully they will respond promptly with race numbers etc. It may look unusual to you at the start line seeing a young hedgehog running the London Marathon but he is quite an exceptional young man and I give my full permission as the Queen of England to allow them both to participate. Please also make sure that they are awarded with medals and one of those silver shawl things at the end. Thank you so much. Yours. Queen Elizabeth II. They both looked at each other in wonder. They arrived back at the park in the nick of time because Spike and his wife were strict with their children about timekeeping. David turned to his friend. You are quite the most amazing friend. Well done and thank you so much. Where will they send the race numbers? Here to my house. I gave her the address. Harris replied very confidently. David smiled and shook his head. The little creature, no bigger than the size of a coconut, was capable of such incredible things. He gave him a prickly hug. Go on now, I'll see you Wednesday, usual time. Harris grinned, clutched his letter close to his furry chest and skipped home. It was starting to get dark and he looked up into the night sky. It was clear and quiet, the stars twinkled like diamonds. He took a deep breath and a moment to think about what had happened and he smiled to himself, happily that everything had turned out well. Over the next hour or so, there was a great deal of squealing and excitement from Harriet, who had convinced herself she was now going to be receiving an OBE or something, and Spike was a mixture of pride and asking why he hadn't told them about his plans. Hermione asked if she wore pretty dresses, and Headley wanted to know if she wore her crown on the toilet and was promptly told off by his mother. The children were getting ready to go out foraging with Spike, but their mother kept Harris back. She wanted to have a mum-son chat with him. Come and do some yoga with me, she whispered quietly and winked. They will be just fine with your dad. The rest of the family bustled out of the front door, leaving the house quiet once more. Well, it's been quite an eventful few weeks for you, son, she said slowly and quietly as they both sat in the lotus position. Harris smiled and nodded, obviously very happy with himself. There was a short silence between them, but long enough for him to know that she was thinking carefully what to say next. 
your dad and I, your sisters and your young brother, we are all so very proud of you. A role model for young hogs, if ever I saw one. Thanks, Mum. Harris felt his cheeks flush red under his fur. One thing I do ask, though, going forward, is that you discuss everything with the family first. I know that you were afraid we would say no to going to ask the Queen's permission, but I guess you'd have done it anyway. You're very determined like that. Harris apologised and promised that in the future he would involve the family more in what he was planning. They both stood in the tree pose, silent once more. His mother was right, of course. He knew his own mind and determination was his middle name. But he was always worried that they would say no to his plans and no was not on Harris's list of favourite words. The letter from the Queen had been safely placed under his pillow, ready for the big day. He had accomplished what he wanted to do. The final hurdle was their half-marathon, which was only weeks away. When he went to bed at daybreak, all sorts of thoughts were going through his mind. Sleep eventually took over and he drifted off, snoring softly, but one little paw lay gently on the letter underneath his head. Chapter 7 It is always the same when you are really excited about something, and the time cannot go quickly enough until it happens. The days and nights seem to drag on forever until suddenly, there it is, right in front of you, all that waiting, and it finally comes around in no time at all. And so it was for Harris and David and their first half marathon together. Luckily, they did not have to travel too far from the park to the start line, in fact, barely half a mile away. All the woodland animals wanted to go and cheer them on, but not many could make it. David only had limited space in his car, and Mont the Miche and his wife felt it unwise to take the pram, what with the busy roads and all. David managed to fit in Harris's family, plus his uncles. Miss Robin flew there, as did Owl, and at the last minute Franklin Ferret squeezed in, followed by Mr Montgomery Mouse and his wife. There certainly was a full car. The drive was short, a little under half an hour, which was just as well, because someone stood on Headley's toe, and there was much commotion on the back seat. Finally they were there. David opened the doors, and onlookers were surprised to see several woodland animals come tumbling out. Now, remember, this is going to be unlike any other race we have done, OK? I'm with you all the way, but don't panic. Just run the mile you're in. Have you got your snacks ready? Water bottle? Harris nodded. He was very focused now. Around his waist was a running belt, which his mother had made him, and a small water bottle sat in his left paw. In the pocket of his belt were grubs, insects, and one very big, fat, juicy woodlouse. He was saving that until he really needed it. They took their places at the start line, both adjusting their shoes for maximum comfort. To their right, friends and family stood with thumbs up, grinning from ear to ear. Harris blew them a kiss. Out of the corner of his eye, he thought he saw a red flash of fur, but he may have been mistaken. Or was he? Harris, came a voice out of the growing crowd. Good luck. The voice belonged to none other than Fothergill Fox, who was standing with another group of people. He smiled and waved. Harris could not believe it. At first, he was unsure about Fothergill's intentions, but his smile was most certainly genuine enough. Good luck, he shouted again. Thanks, the little hog replied. It was time to go. Harris took a deep breath as a whistle blew and all the runners started moving forward. It was a fine day with a slight breeze, perfect for running. Instead of thinking about how very far they had to go, David had suggested that they ignore that and just enjoy the scenery, chat and have a good time. It didn't really matter how long it took them, just as long as they finished it. 
The first few miles were nice. The breeze danced its way through his spines, which caused a whistling sound in his ears. He chuckled to himself. He was living the dream. Into mile four, and it was time for a snack and a drink. David was eating Brazil nuts while Harris opted for a worm. His mouth was dry and sweat started to make his paws sticky, so he licked them with his long tongue. Mile five and six saw them both starting to tire a little. Slow your pace right down, David advised. If you need to walk, just say, but slow it down enough that you don't have to. Harris was now thinking that they had another six miles or so to go, and his heart sank into his trainers. This was much harder than he had imagined. The weather turned and it started to rain. Little droplets of water fell from the end of his nose, which made him even more miserable. How many more miles, he panted. Only five, replied David. We have already done eight, more than halfway. Really? Gosh, I had lost count. This information made Harris feel much better. If he could run eight miles, he could surely run another five. Somewhere deep down, his determination reared up again and he felt a new found strength. We can do this, he whispered. Yes, we can, smiled David. I think it might be time for that big juicy woodlouse now, though. It will get you over the finish line. David had another one of his gel things that a lot of the humans were eating to give them energy. Harry snacked on the grub for the next three miles, crunching it bit by bit in his little teeth. Only two to go, David said. He looked so tired and Harris knew that if his legs ate, then his friends most certainly did too. The last mile was the worst. Tiredness overwhelmed them. Hips, legs and feet ached. They were hungry and emotional. Just around the corner lay the finish line, but it seemed like the longest corner in history. They both hoped and prayed it would be soon. Harris beamed as he saw the people holding medals. It meant that their first half marathon was almost over. He grabbed the top of David's sock as they ran over the finish line together. It was as good as holding his hand. A wave of emotion came over them both and Harris cried salty tears as David scooped him up in his arms. We did it! We actually did it! cried the little hog as a well-deserved medal was placed around their necks. What a sight it was! David with Harris on his shoulders and all the woodland animals sat at his feet, cheering and hanging onto David's legs. Mont the Miche had even managed to climb up onto his shoulders, gripping on for dear life. When everyone had calmed down, food had been consumed and drinks were in full flow. David introduced his family to Harris's. His wife and little girl were, were overjoyed to meet them all. Celebrations continued long into the afternoon back at the park and they very soon discovered that the half marathon had been completed in just under three hours. It was dusk and the large picnic was enjoyed by humans and animals alike. Even the fireflies came out to light up the trees around them. Spike was the first to clear his throat. May I have your attention please? I'd like to say a few words. David's daughter helped him up onto the table. I think you will all agree it has been an incredible day. Our friend David and Harris here have completed their half marathon and I couldn't be prouder as a father and as a friend. As some of you may know, their next challenge will be in the new year. They have been given special permission by Her Majesty the Queen to run the London Marathon. It just leaves me to say a big thank you to you all for supporting Harris and David today. He raised his glass of worm juice to the, to the duo and everyone cheered. I'm so proud of us both, said Harris as he threw another worm onto his plate. Me too, agreed David. But you know who you should be proud of the most? Yourself. Be proud of you for what you have achieved and overcome with dignity, perseverance and quiet determination. You are one amazing little guy, Harris Hedgehog. Oh gosh, thank you, he replied quietly. 
Once more, it had been proven that no matter how small or insignificant we think we might be, great things can be achieved if we really put our minds to it. Lives can be changed through those that we admire and people that influence us. Harris thought back to the very first time he ran and where he was now. Now that was certainly a journey to be proud of and it wasn't over yet. So that was Harris the Hedgehog meets the Queen by A.V. Turner and A.V. joins us today. So welcome back, A.V. Thank you. Now Harris meets the Queen. So what mm. inspired you to write that story? It's, it's a lovely story. It reminds me a little bit of the big friendly giant when he has that conversation with the Queen through her bedroom window. I love it. Oh, yes. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's such a beautiful film. I love BFG. Yeah. So what inspired you to write this book about Harris going to see the Queen? Um, I think uh, lots of conversation with my dad, I think, who, who is, um, he's 89 now. And um, so I always, always discuss uh, my plot lines with my dad, always. He always, you know, comes up with, with a really good idea, you know, and I think, oh yeah. So um, what happens in, in, in the, the third one is that obviously to get into the London Marathon, um, you enter a ballot and uh, sometimes you're not chosen. Yeah, it's quite difficult, so, actually, isn't it, to get into the London Marathon? It is, marathon. You have to yeah. raise so much money first, don't you, I believe? That's right, it's yeah. Nice. It's quite hard, you know, I mean, hard enough running it, but let yeah. alone anything else. Yeah. Um, so um, I had to sort of get round somehow that uh, obstacle of them being uh, rejected. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Harris has this great idea that he's going to get David to drive him to Buckingham Palace <laughs> and um, have a chat with the Queen yeah. uh, and ask her to um, get them in. So that's how, you know, I thought I've got to find a way to, um, to, to get over the fact that they've been rejected and Harris is so disappointed and he's very determined little hog and he's determined to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's um, how he, uh, yeah, so he goes and has a chat with the Queen and she gets them in. So I believe, actually, in this book that you've actually done the illustrations yourself. So how, how did that come about? Um, yeah, I, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed doing the illustrations. The first, the first one I did, I mean, they were all um, pencil drawings and watercolour paint. Uh, the first one I did was Hazel at her um, dressing table, you know, putting flowers in her, in her spines and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I was just so happy with it. I thought, yes, I can do, you know, I can do all of them. You know, it was just something that, that I thought, you know, fancied doing. And uh, it, it turned out okay. So do you think it's something you will continue to do? Because I suppose, you know, from an author's point of view, you've got that image in your head. You know exactly how that character should look. So it might be easy for you in a way. I mean, are, are you quite arty anyway? Or I sp Well, I, yeah, I suppose I am. I suppose you really. are, yeah. Yeah. Um, really? They're very good. They're very good. 
thank you. My mum was, uh, my mum wasn't, uh, uh, bless her, she's not with us anymore, but she was a watercolour artist. So, and um, my daughter is uh, just, she draws all day, every day. She never stops drawing. So I suppose it's sort of, in the you genes, know, isn't it? in, in the, the genes. genes. It's in yeah, the genes. yeah. Wonderful. So obviously you have a love for hedgehogs then, um, A.V. So what advice would you give to someone who maybe comes across a hedgehog in their garden? What should they do to make sure it's safe and looked after? Um, well, I think at night time we all have little uh, uh, visitors, you know, uh, from time to time because hedgehogs um, uh, during the night can travel up to eight miles. Wow, that's a fair distance. They go very slow as well, don't they? Yeah, but you know, once they want to pick up a bit of speed, they can be quite quick. Um, so yeah, I think you know, as 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 humans now, we have this obligation. I feel to um, do as much as we can for the hedgehog population because it is in decline. So you know, if uh, you can keep somewhere for them to come and go say a little hole in your fence or anything like that so they can come and go to each garden leave some fresh water out for them in a bowl and some uh, chicken based cat biscuits um, if you see them at night that's perfectly fine um, if you see them during the day then that's a different matter that generally means that uh, they're either unwell or disorientated or injured or something of that nature so if you do see one during the day my advice would be to just give it a quick check over because they're very friendly little animals yeah. um, and if you're in any doubt at all, it could have ticks or anything like that, which, you know, are, are a real problem. Um, so if you can get it to your local RSPCA or rescue, any hedgehog rescue centre, if you see one out during the day. Yes, because really, if, if you see them during the day, then their home's been disturbed in a way, hasn't it? Yeah, well? absolutely. Yeah, you should never see a hedgehog out during the day. So this book then, Harris the Hedgehog Meets the Queen, were you quite nervous about this book or did you feel quite confident um, about how it would be received? I felt actually really confident with it. You know, when you, you, your first ever book comes out, you're so nervous about it, oh, aren't you? Yeah. You know, and oh Definitely. my gosh, it's just, it you know. It eats away at you, doesn't it? It absolutely yeah. eats away at your stomach, yes. Yeah, it does, because you think, you know, I've sort of laid myself bare there with this book, you know, and yeah. it's, it's a really scary process. But yeah. um, I suppose it gets less as you keep writing and you keep bringing books out. Um, so yeah, I was very confident actually that this was going to be okay, and um, it, it was yeah received really really well. And then you know once that this this one has been out, you know people are asking for more. How beautiful is that? You must feel fantastic on top of the world that you've created yeah. something and people yeah. absolutely love it. It's a great feeling for you. That's wonderful. Mm. So how did it feel then getting to number one in your chosen? category for this book as well ah oh, that was yeah that was amazing is that, so, Am is that amazon category isn't it yes amazon category yeah. yeah yeah it was in track and field uh children's books track and field and yeah. um so we got i think we got to number one number three 
in another section but yeah getting to number one that was just amazing uh, yeah i was so so happy and we were neck and neck with usain bolt and his really? um sure yeah i think he had some book to do with um kids kids running yeah but we were oh, neck okay. and neck with him and then um yeah and then we were at number one i couldn't believe it brilliant but he's thinking who's this av turner that's knocked me <laughs> off the top know. of the charts he's got your he's got your cards marked he's gonna next time you do a marathon he's gonna elbow you off the uh off the road isn't he <laughs> oh do you think yeah oh for sure when i overtake him you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> So obviously, with all this encouragement, then, and the books are doing really well, are you going to be mm -hmm. writing any more? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm. Uh, I'm currently writing another uh, adult full-length novel at the moment, and then uh, once that's finished, I'll have a little break. I don't normally have much of a break in between, but then um, Harris Four will be in production. Wonderful, and of course, he's going to be running, isn't he? Wonderful. He's going to be running the London Marathon. Oh, wow. Excellent. Mm. Well, I look forward to that one then. So you've published the books via Team Author UK, uh, who actually yeah. sponsored the show Bedtime Stories. So tell us all about that. Team Author, oh gosh, what a great bunch of people. Um, our editor, uh, Sue Miller, um, is uh, just amazing. She's you know she's encouraging and uh she's become you know a good friend as well and um i just think how what a fantastic opportunity it is for um independent authors to be given a chance to um publish books you know proper in your hand book yeah you know yeah. uh whereas ordinarily we would just wouldn't get that chance to do it no and do they because... do all the marketing as well for you do they do everything from from a to b for anyone who's thinking maybe oh i'm in that position i want to publish my book what what can team author offer for for that author well they i mean um when i did my first book they have uh, a lot of obviously they have a lot of illustrators they have people who can do your front covers for you they uh, edit your book for you set it out beautifully obviously the marketing they do a certain amount of that but then you have to push yeah. your own work as well yeah. but yeah this i think it's just the opportunity that, that it gives us as authors to to get our books out there because you know it's notoriously difficult unless you're a celebrity or you're yeah. jk rowling yeah. to get anywhere near a publishing house yeah yeah no i know that experience so. very well but no it's a great service and uh, it's been really lovely getting to know all these authors these talented authors that uh, have been sent my way from from team author uk yeah well, as usual, it's been great talking to you, A.V. Turner, today, and we look forward to hearing more about Harris in the future, and especially when he runs a London marathon. Bedtime Stories is sponsored by Team Author UK, independent publishers. If you have a fabulous story to tell, get in touch, as they excel at helping writers just like you. Visit their website at www.teamauthoruk.co.uk 
or on their social media platforms at Team Author UK.
Harris the Hedgehog Meets the Queen
Hello, 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 hello.